Good morning, church. Okay, thank you so much. Um, Yeah, as I mentioned, I was not here last week. I was sick, unfortunately, and definitely very much missed being with you. And I'm very grateful to be back to worship with you this morning. We are one year old, right? A week ago, one year as a church. And uh, in one sense, of course, it's very small, right? We're just, just a baby church, uh, a year old. Um, but in another sense, it's massive. Uh, and we'll look at uh, why it's such a big deal uh, through the course of this sermon. But basically, it's a full 52 weeks, right, of gathering together as a corporate testimony of the truthfulness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a full 52 weeks of us being a lighthouse here for the gospel in the west of Pretoria. 52 weeks of us gathering together to worship our Savior, encourage one another in walking with Him and seeking to be a place where people can come and find the Bible preached, find the gospel taught, the true gospel of salvation in Christ alone, through faith alone, by grace alone. May God continue to help us honor Him here. And that's what I want us to think about today. I want us to spend a little bit of time thinking about why we exist as a church. I mentioned a few weeks ago that we're going to be starting a series through the Gospel of Mark, and uh, we will be doing that in just a couple weeks, and I very much look forward to that. But today, I want us to remind ourselves from Scripture why we are here. What are we supposed to be doing? What are the reasons we exist? What are we aiming for? What are our goals? What is our mission? So turn with me in your Bibles, please, to the end of the book of Matthew. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. And this is a passage many of you will be familiar uh, with uh, the title of the Great Commission being given to this portion of Scripture. The context is Jesus' ascension. These are the last words of Jesus that we have recorded in Scripture before He left earth and return to heaven. So this is after the resurrection and just before Christ returns to heaven. I'm going to read from Matthew 28. Follow along with me uh, in your Bibles, please. And Jesus came and said to them, this is verse 18, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Let's take note of a few important things from this passage of Scripture. I'm going to ask ourselves a few questions this morning to clarify our mission. Number one, who has given us our mission? 
Jesus. Jesus has given us our mission. We, we haven't come up with this ourselves. Uh, this isn't uh, Donovan's mission for the church. This isn't something we voted on. This is something that has been given to us by Jesus. And if, as we think about who Jesus is, we need to focus on what this passage emphasizes about Jesus. There's, of course, is a reason that as Jesus gives this command, as Jesus gives us this commission, that this passage reminds us that He is the one who has all authority in heaven and on, other, and on earth. In other words, Jesus is King. Jesus is King of everything and everyone. And as His followers who acknowledge Him as Lord of our lives, we are reminded here to take this command seriously. Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. So therefore, verse 19, we must obey this command. It is not a suggestion. It's not an extra add-on to our lives if we can. These are the final words Jesus left with his followers before he returned to heaven. And here he makes sure we're reminded of the weight and authority behind them. Secondly, what mission have we been given? We've been given the mission of making disciples of all nations. Making disciples of all nations. Since Jesus is the king of the universe, it makes sense that everyone, everywhere, must be called to bow to the one true king. They must be called to worship and follow him. Brothers and sisters, this is not just a personal thing. This is not just uh, an, an optional thing for your preference and someone else can have another preference. Jesus is your king, but he's not just your king. He's king in the UK and the USA, in Germany and Japan, in Russia and Rwanda, in Australia, the Arctic and the Amazon, in urban and rural areas over rich and poor, male and female, young and old, highly educated and uneducated, atheist and animist, Zoroastrian and ZCC. He's king over all, whether they recognize it or not. And he must be acknowledged and worshipped and followed by all. A person named John Piper has put it this way, right? Missions exists because worship doesn't. Missions exists because worship doesn't. We tell people about Jesus because they are not worshiping Jesus. And they must. Everyone must worship Jesus. It is good and right to be motivated by love for people, by compassion for the lost, by a burden to see people saved from hell and able to joy, enjoy a blessed eternity. The Bible very definitely speaks of those motivations too. But first and foremost, we have a God and King 
who is glorious and is worthy of worship. It shouldn't be enough to us in our minds and hearts for us to just praise Him ourselves. We should feel the urge we see again and again in the Psalms and elsewhere in the Scriptures, right? To call others to praise Him too. In fact, not just others, we'll call on the trees to clap their hands and the fields to sing. Everyone, everything must praise the Lord. Sing with me. Praise Him. Thank Him. Exalt Him. Worship Him. Join me. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Do you have this desire to tell others of your amazing God and call them to worship Him? Do you think to yourself, give me someone I can tell about my eternal and self-existent Creator, about the giver of every good gift, the sovereign sustainer of the universe, the humble and merciful Savior, the one true King who has full authority over all things, the one who gives life and breath and everything, the one who makes your heart beat and your lungs inhale, the one who has full authority over every second of your life, He is worthy of your full devotion. Worship Him. Follow Him. This passage calls us to make disciples of every people group. Every people group. In every corner of the earth. Now let's think a little bit about what is actually meant by that. What what does our mission involve? What does it mean to make disciples? First of all, it means evangelizing the lost. We make disciples when people who did not believe in Jesus come to believe in Jesus. When people who did not know Him and who were not following Him come to know Him, trust Him, and give Him their full allegiance. So to make disciples, we must tell unbelievers about Jesus and we must tell them about the cross. We must tell them about their sin and about the fact that they are deserving of God's wrath. We must call them to turn from their sin and from living for themselves. We must call them to turn away from any other allegiance they may have in their life and to come to Jesus for the forgiveness only He can offer and to devote their lives to Him henceforth. To become disciples. And brothers and sisters, one way or another, we must tell them this message. This is a message that must be communicated. You see, a transformed life testifies to the truth and power of the gospel. Our unity as a church family and our love for one another testifies to the truth and power of the gospel. Trusting God and having joy and peace in the midst of hardship prompts people to ask us for the reason for the hope within us. We see that in 1 Peter. Your kindness to others adorns the gospel and may win you a listening ear. 
But the gospel message must also be communicated. It won't simply be transmitted through osmosis. There's objective content that people must learn and understand if they are to believe it. They are, and if they are to put their trust, their full confidence in Jesus and Jesus alone for forgiveness. If they are to repent and give Him their full allegiance. There's a quote um, that I guess it was more popular a few years ago. I haven't seen it going around as much lately, but I'm sure many of you would have heard it. And the quote says, Preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. And uh, it's popular, but it's not biblical. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, It is always necessary to use words when preaching the gospel. Um, A better goal would be for us to think, preach the gospel and seek to be a good ambassador of Christ by walking in a manner worthy of the gospel too. Okay, We definitely want to live in a way that is consistent with our message that shows forth the truthfulness of our message. But our way of life alone cannot communicate the gospel content. And we must communicate that so people can understand it and believe it. Secondly, what does it mean to make disciples? The second aspect of this is discipling Christians. Or in other words, helping people who are already Christians grow in their Christian life. Helping people who are already Christians mature in their Christian life. Helping them become more like Christ and to follow Him more faithfully in every area of life. Jesus says in our passage, and this is very, very important, He says, we must teach them to observe all that He has commanded us. Okay? We must teach them the content of what Jesus has commanded and all of it, right? To observe all that He has commanded us. And beyond that, we must teach them not just the content, but we must call them to actually obey it, to live it out. So faithful discipleship involves not just teaching content, but modeling practically for others how to live out that truth. It is not enough for Christians to be hearers of the word. We must be doers of the word. We must follow Christ. That is an action. I see Christ, I see Him living a certain way, and I follow Him and I do likewise. And brothers and sisters, As we've already said, it is all that He has commanded us. We don't get to pick and choose which of the King's commands we want to obey. We must obey them all. And we must call others to do the same. We must follow Jesus faithfully in every area of life, right? Wasn't that just in in accordance with our memory verse from, from last month, right? 
whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. We must, make, we must be faithful disciples ourselves. And we must make faithful disciples who seek to glorify God in all of life. Our fourth question today, how can we accomplish our mission? Note the second half of Matthew 28, verse 20. Jesus tells us, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is with us in our mission. And this is important for us to know because the Bible promises us persecution as we live for Christ. Particularly as we witness for Christ. You see, human beings like to be their own king. I'm quite confident that you like to be your own king. Humans don't respond well when we tell them that they must give up their throne and bow to the rightful king. But Jesus, who has authority over all things, is with us as we go about this mission. Of course, if we think of what the scriptures tell us about our condition as sinners, right? We are dead in our trespasses and sins. And so the reality too is that this mission that we've been given is absolutely impossible unless Jesus is with us. Salvation is a miracle. If we are dead in our trespasses and sins, then it takes a miracle of God to raise us to new life through the gospel. Evangelism would be guaranteed to be fruitless if God was not working through us. No matter how bold, no matter how articulate, how winsome, how persistent we may be, this is not something we can do on our own. But praise God, Jesus is with us. And the second aspect of this, discipling Christians, helping Christians become more mature, that's also difficult, right? We must help fools become wise. We must help lustful people become pure. We must help the angry become self-controlled and gentle. We must help proud people to become humble servants. We must help the greedy to become content and generous. We must help those who fear man to fear God alone. We must help people trust God in the face of terrible trials. We must help the weary persevere. We can't do this alone. But praise God, we are not alone. Jesus is with us. Now, let's take a look at another passage as we consider a couple more questions. Turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. And this is uh, one of those books of the New Testament that says a lot about the local church. Um, in fact, yeah, it's uh, just if you're wanting to grow in your understanding of the local church and uh, its role in God's grand plan, this is a great book to study. 
So starting in verse 11, let me read for you. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So our question, our next question is, what is God's design for fulfilling our mission? What is God's design for fulfilling our mission? In short, it is the local church. The local church is essential in God's design for the growth and maturing of Christians, for discipleship. If the task of discipleship was compared to baking bread rolls, The church is your oven. It is the necessary environment for the process. Note the particular process God has ordained here. First of all, apostles and prophets have given us God's word. Apostles and prophets have given us God's word. We know from the scriptures, right, that God inspired people to write the Bible, to, to give us God's very words, and we have God's very words here, recorded for us in the text of Scripture. Evangelists share the gospel with the lost, call them to repentance and faith. And then pastors and teachers teach God's word to believers as they gather in a local church. Equipping them for the work of ministry. And all those believers who have been equipped with God's word then speak God's word into one another's lives, speaking the truth in love, doing the work of ministry so that all of us grow. And this is not just a matter of many hands make light work, though it certainly is that. It's also a matter of the varying gifts that God has given Christians. Because here in this passage we're described as a body. We see it also in Romans and 1 Corinthians. And in those passages there's even more emphasis on the fact that we are gifted in different ways. And that those gifts work together harmoniously. Right? A hand has a different role to play than an eye. And an eye has a different role to play than a foot. But each of these parts are essential if the body is to function the way it's supposed to function. The local church functions as it should, helping every Christian grow and mature when every member is engaged in the work 
of ministry. When every member is engaged in speaking the truth to one another in love. This is essential. Our local church is essential if we're going to fulfill the great commission to make disciples. Fulfilling the great commission in summary requires evangelism, right? Sharing the gospel with those who are not believers. It involves discipleship, helping Christians grow. And as we've seen, all of this requires us to be invested in the local church, God's designed home base for this mission. Brothers and sisters, ask yourself regularly, am I doing everything I can to make the most of my life in fulfilling the mission Jesus has given us? Let me give you that question again. Am I doing everything I can to make the most of my life in fulfilling the mission Jesus has given us? To share the gospel with others, to help other Christians grow, to serve my local church and help it function fruitfully. Think with me. This is why membership in the local church is so important. See, even just being a faithful part, oftentimes we think about the Great Commission, we think think about missionaries, right? We think about people going to unreached people groups and amen, 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 right? But just being a faithful member of this church here is also fulfilling the Great Commission. Because you are reaching the lost and you're helping Christians mature in their walk with Christ. You are making disciples. You can invite people to to church to hear the truth of God, to hear the Bible preached. When people come, you engage them and welcome them. And that warm greeting can be the difference between whether or not somebody feels comfortable coming back again. You spur one another on in the faith with the other Christians around you, right? Discipleship doesn't always have to be, okay, I've been a believer for 10 years, you've been a believer for two weeks, let me teach you all that I know. We disciple each other as we just spur each other on, as we hold one another accountable, as we remind one another of what is true, as we encourage one another when we're discouraged, as we just live out the Christian life together. As you use your gifts and serve in a regular way, you help the church function. As you give financially to help support the work of the ministry, Brothers and sisters, our expenses are not massive at the moment, right? But we do, we've got, we've got the rental of this facility. We've got the insurance we pay on the quantum. So people are, are contributing towards the, the costs of fuel, but there's, there's also the insurance and the maintenance uh, of, of our church bus, of the quantum. Um, but look, long term, I mean, I'm, I'm supported as a missionary, but that's, uh, Lord willing, uh, I'll, I'll be here for, for a few years to help this church get established. And then, Lord willing, I'll do it again somewhere else. Longer term, this church 
is going to need to support a pastor. Okay? Longer term, Lord willing, this church will have its own building. That's, that's a couple million rand at least that you have to raise. And then that, that property has to be, has to be maintained. Okay? Uh, none of this just happens. It happens as individual Christians, right? Make sacrifices. Uh, as individual Christians are committed to saying, okay, this is how we fulfill the mission our King has given us. We want to make this happen. We know a local church is His design for, for, uh, for making disciples in the most fruitful way. So we, we're going to invest ourselves in this local church and, and, and help it be fruitful to the glory of God. And see, even beyond just this local church, even as you function faithfully as a part of your local church, some of the people who you end up reaching with the gospel uh, who, or whose lives you invest in as a part of that church, some of those people will at a later stage move away. And they'll go and they'll be a part of another local church. And they'll go be a part of helping that local church function more fruitfully. I mean, think about, think about our own church, how this church began, right? We started off with 15 members from Living Hope Church. 15 members who'd been a part of Living Hope Church, who'd been growing as Christians at Living Hope Church, who then were a massive catalyst. Yeah, with this new church because they already knew what they were doing, right? They already had some maturity in the Lord because of their part at Living Hope Church. And so the gospel goes forward. So the mission continues. Um, and then, of course, more, more recently, right? We would happily take Zamani and Noctula from Heritage, happily take Mpume from Heritage, right? And, and, of course, they have been uh, invested in. They have been maturing as disciples because of their part in, in, in an, another healthy biblical church before coming to us. And, of course, as we can be a, a holistically healthy biblical church, then we're also a blueprint. We're a blueprint. So that if we intentionally send out church planters later... Those church planters know what they're trying to replicate. Okay? And we can hopefully also be an encouragement to other churches. We all need examples. We all need good, healthy examples to learn from. And so hopefully, if we can be a healthy church, we can help strengthen other churches by being a biblical example. Okay. But beyond this local church, right? This local church, we, they're, they're, as I mentioned at the beginning, right? We are a, light, a lighthouse here in Pretoria West. For the first time now, I know where to point somebody in this part of the city if they want to hear God's word preached on a Sunday. Praise God that we are here. Praise God that we, in, in, in that sense, have broken, broken new ground for the advance of God's kingdom. But brothers and sisters, one thing this local church cannot be, right, is local for everyone. 
Just like Living Hope couldn't be local for people who live in this area. So, we have to think beyond. We have to think beyond this local church. As important as it is for us to, to, to realize that, that our faithfulness here in this local church is fulfilling the Great Commission. We must also think beyond this local church. We must also think about starting and strengthening new churches in other areas. Churches that can be local for the people who live in those areas. I mean, look, we're really trying, we're doing our best here in Pretoria West to be a local church for people in Karankua and Soshanguve. But that's half an hour away by car. <laughs> and if you don't have a car, it's a mission. Long term, what would be much better would be for us to start new churches in those areas. Then it would be much easier for people in those areas to attend church every single week. For them to serve in that church in a variety of ways. For them to invite their neighbors to church. For them to meet with others for discipleship and fellowship throughout the week. I mentioned Karanku and Sosha, but there's also Mabopani, there's Winterfeld, there's Attridgeville, there's Lotus Gardens. Just over the hill here in Kirkney and Andion, that area. And then further north, up in Hammanskral. And these are just the areas around Pretoria where I can't point people to a healthy biblical church. There is a lot for us still to do in fulfilling what Jesus has given us to do. There is a lot for us to do. And brothers and sisters, it, it includes you. It includes you. Okay? In one sense, right, God doesn't need any of us. We saw that last year when we were studying Philippians. And we saw that God continued to advance the gospel even as the Apostle Paul was locked up in prison. Right? God didn't even need Paul in one sense. But in another sense, this mission does need every one of you. Because this mission has been given to every Christian it's God's design, as we saw in Ephesians, that the church functions when every part plays its role. I've used an illustration before of a church being like a family-run restaurant, right? Um, pushing the analogy a little bit far, let's, but just imagine also that this restaurant's the only place you can eat, okay? So now for your own health, Yes, you come to this restaurant, you eat. You need to. Uh, and in fact, I, I want to encourage a number of you, you need to eat more, okay? You need to, to be at church more regularly. You need to somehow, some way, do what you can to come so that you are fed, so that your own walk with God is encouraged. But then even beyond that, right? It's a family-run restaurant. You also need to serve in this restaurant. It doesn't function without you. It, uh, just like a restaurant is not going to function without a committed team of chefs and cooks and dishwashers and waiters, right? 
so the local church is also not going to just function if the family that runs the restaurant just comes haphazardly. And when they come, they don't come with a commitment to serve. We need to use our gifts. We need to be equipped by God's Word. And we need to do the work of ministry that God has given to every Christian, to every member. Our King, our King, the King of Kings, the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth, has given us a mission. We need to call the lost to give their allegiance to Jesus and to find forgiveness for their sins in Him. We need to help one another live lives that honor Jesus and bring Him glory in every area of our lives. And we fulfill this mission together as we invest ourselves as co-laborers in the local church. That's why we exist. That's why we're here. And that's why it's so important, right, that this isn't just an afterthought, but that this local church really is something we give our lives to for the glory of our King. Amen.